Take your Bible, turn over to Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10, and um, tried to get some hot tea uh, when we were at the, the gym, and so thank you for the opportunity to eat there. Ladies did a tremendous job. That food was good. That hot tea helped, and then I've had some cough drops, and I was praying all week. I said, Lord, I sure would love it if maybe you could help put things together in terms of the preaching and the, the messages and, and so forth, and when the Holy Spirit orchestrates kind of an overlap, that's exciting, and when Brother Lyman got up and says, I'm not going to preach real loud. I got a scratchy voice and I got a scratchy voice. And, and I know that brother Slatterly has been dealing with something. God's put it all together with scratchy voices. Amen. Uh, but look with me in Luke chapter number 10, and we're going to begin in verse number 38. If you'll stand with me and we'll read the scripture and then I'll get right into the sermon. The Bible says in verse 38, now it came to pass as they went, he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. My sermon title is on verse 42. One thing is needful. In other words, the one thing that everyone needs. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house for this great church, the great music, uh, the message we heard that was so true and convicting about spending more time thanking you instead of asking for things. And Lord, I've been so guilty of not following that. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless in just a few minutes, Brother Slatterly, give him strength to his voice and use him to help us. And I pray that for the next 25 some odd minutes, you'd help me to just encourage your people with your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm at uh, lunch this afternoon. You can be seated. I'm at lunch this afternoon. We were talking about getting sick and, and having this voice and, and uh, struggling with that. And, and so your pastor said, now, he said, I got some advice for you. He says, I'll, I'll share it with you. He said, I haven't been sick in 23 or 27 years since I've been doing this, but nobody takes my advice. I said, well, what is that? He said, well, you want to take some, like an immune uh, supplement and uh, maybe if anything starts to come on you, uh, maybe a little quinine you take that and he says but there's one thing that I always do that has kept me healthy I said what is that he says I brush my teeth with soap uh, soap and the only people that I know that had soap in their mouth were people that got in trouble amen <laughs> and uh, but apparently it has worked for your preacher I just don't know I have enough faith that I'm gonna brush my teeth with soap <laughs> but maybe it works <laughs> yes, sir, I think I'll defer to your advice. Uh, but notice here in Luke chapter number 10, the gospel of Luke is said to have been written by a Gentile physician. According to Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, we're told Luke is a physician. Many of them believe he's a Gentile. And it is believed that the same author of the book of Luke is the same author of the book of Acts. And uh, we know that based off of Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it mentions a guy by the name of Theophilus in Acts chapter 1. In verse number 1, it mentions him again in, uh, uh, by Theophilus. And he, and he says in Acts 1, the former treaty, the former treaties that I have made to Theophilus. So the same guy that wrote Luke wrote Acts. And based off of that and other passages, you find 
that the, the correct individual that God pen, used to pen those two books would be the physician Luke. Now, it is said that when you put both books together, that he wrote more of the New Testament based off of the amount of words and verses and that kind of thing with those two books combined. So Luke had a very powerful ministry, if you will. It is said that the Gospel of Luke was written in AD 60 to AD 62, give or take in that time frame. When we come to this passage, this is the story many of us are familiar with. You got... Martha and Mary, they're in a village. According to verse 38, it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village. We know, according to John chapter 11, verse number 1, that that village is called Bethany. And uh, that is where Lazarus had a house and they had a house. This is their hometown where Jesus comes in to visit eventually. But according to verse number 38, they're in this village. The end of verse 38 says, And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now, if you're going to invite somebody to your, your house, I don't know what you all do, but I know what my wife would do. If I told her, honey, this afternoon, we got Brother Muncie coming to my house, she's going to say to me, how come you didn't tell me before? She's going to say, you didn't give me enough time to, to clean and to prepare, right? And, and she's going to want to go out and go to Kroger's and, and spend $200 and, and get all kinds of food and whatever his favorite, which is, what's your favorite food? Sauerkraut? Black-eyed peas? Well, you said tomorrow you're eating black-eyed peas, right? Didn't he say that? That's tomorrow. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. We'll just give you the invite. Let her get the food. So if you're going to invite somebody to your house, you're going to prepare and be busy. Now, that's important because as we find out in just a second, Martha spends all her time busy. Now, she's obviously preparing for Jesus. She's pr- probably in the kitchen working, trying to prepare food. But you'll notice that there's a complete different uh, reaction between Martha and her sister Mary. Now, I don't know why this is, just human nature maybe, but you can have two people in the same church family. You can have two people in the same physical family. You can have two people from the same experiences of life but they react differently to Jesus Christ. Can we say the two thieves on the cross? Both of them condemned for the same thing. Both of them guilty. Both of them going to die. Both of them going to go to hell. But one of them mocked Jesus. The other one said, I need Jesus. And two completely different destinations. You know why? One said, I need Christ. I'm humble enough to submit to say, I'm broken. I'm dirt. I'm not worth anything. I need you. The other one is full of himself and says, I don't need anybody. And he dies and goes to hell but from the same lot in life. But here you got two sisters, and they react to Jesus completely different. For example, one was seated while one was serving. Look with me in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 39. She had a sister called Mary, which, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So it is Mary that sits at his feet, It is Martha that does something different. Look at verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. Now that makes sense that she would serve. She opens her house. Jesus comes in and she wants to feed him. So that makes complete sense. However, in this story, it is not Martha that gets praised. It is Mary. It It is not Mary that gets rebuked. It is Martha. Because Martha says, I've got to serve, serve, serve. Now listen, I hope you understand where I'm going with this. Yes, we ought to do more for Christ. Yes, we ought to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you serve God, but you don't walk with God, you won't serve God very long. You're doing it for show. 
You're doing it for a praise. You're doing it for attention. And when the attention no longer comes and the criticism comes, when you're no longer getting the praise, you miss the boat. Listen, God doesn't need me to serve him. He can part the Red Sea. He can walk on water. He can calm the wind and the waves. He doesn't need me for anything. But I'm thankful that he wants me and he wants to spend time with me. But if I'll spend that time with him, I'll sit at his feet, then yes, that is then connected to where I will want to serve him. Notice with me, if you will, turn, hold your place in Luke 10. Go to Luke chapter number 8. You'll see a, a precedent in terms of people sitting down at the feet of Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, you have the story of the maniac of Gadara. What an amazing story. This guy's life was destroyed by the devil, by the legions of devils. And when he meets Jesus, the Lord basically casts all the demons out and changes his whole life. But I want you to notice the reaction of what people see after he met Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, the Bible says in verse number 35, Then they that went out to see what was done, they came to Jesus and they found the man, that's the maniac, all right, out of whom the devils were departed. So God changed him. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Listen, when the devil's got a control of my mind and my life and my heart, you're not seated. You can't be called. But when you yield to the Holy Spirit of God, when you get into his word, when you get closer to God, you find yourself more calm, seated, and by the way, in your right mind. Read a little bit further in verse number 35. Sitting at the feet of Jesus and he was clothed. Do you know the closer you get to Jesus, the more clothes you wear? Right? Uh, can you say spring break? There ain't a lot of people. And they may say, I heart God, but talk is cheap. Right? Uh, can you say the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, and then they start worshiping the golden calf? The Bible talks about they started wearing less clothes. They're dancing, listening to wild music, and worshiping a false image, right? And so here, he not only has peace in his heart and mind, he's seated, and he's wearing clothes. Previously, he wasn't. Read on it, he says, and in his right mind. Listen, we've got an epidemic in this world today of mental health issues. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that every single mental health issue is a result of sin. I'm not saying that. But I can tell you this, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Now, if I'm not living for the Lord, and I'm a child of God, if I'm not living for God, and I'm backsliding on the Lord, I am not going to be happy. I'm not going to enjoy His peace. I'm going to struggle. The most miserable person on the planet is not an unsaved person, but a saved person not right with God. Because we know better. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. And we cannot run from that. Matter of fact, try those that run from God and see how that works for them. Can you call him Jonah? And to Jonah's credit, when God taught him a lesson, when God chastised him, right? God gave him opportunity. When God chastised him, he hit his knees so fast. By the way, he had no other place to go, no other thing to do except spend time with God. Listen, you can either put yourself in a position where you on your own Spend time with God, or God will make you spend time with him. Here, he's not only seated and clothed and in his right mind, the Bible says they were afraid. Take your Bible, turn over to Psalms 46, and notice what the psalmist writes in verse number 10. If 
Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. The maniac of Gadara found himself seated at the feet of Jesus. Notice what the Bible says in Psalms 46. And just look with me at just verse number 10. The Bible says, be, what's the next word? Still. I love technology. Technology makes, I, I, I understand people say, boy, I miss the good old days. Well, I understand what they mean by that. In fact, I think at 45, I fit more with the people of the good old days than they do today. But I sure do like indoor plumbing. I sure do like hitting a button and now hitting my phone and changing the temperature, right? I sure like driving and uh, instead of riding a horse. So I'm not saying it all is bad. There's some things I enjoy. But the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. I've got to calm down. I've got to say, Lord, I've got to think about all the things God's done for me. And not all the things that God's done for me, I then need to think of who God is. And that's when, when you start to be still and you're like Mary, you're doing the thing that God said was needful. Take your Bible and go back with me to Luke chapter number 10. By the way, if you look at the life of Jesus, when Jesus was here on this earth, he spent a lot of time in two places. He spent a lot of time in the woods and on the water, the Sea of Galilee and on the mountain and in the wilderness. Do you know there's research that shows that if you spend time walking in nature, that that's better for you physically, mentally, and emotionally. You know why? Because God's created it that way. Listen, we're not trying to worship nature. We're worshiping the, the God who gave us nature. But understand, there's something to getting outside of the four walls of our house or our building or what have you and just spending time alone in God's creation. And when you begin to walk and see, listen, I, 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 several weeks ago, I, I caught myself saying, Lord, that's amazing technology that they can do this and they can do that. There's a surgery now that they can do that will stop you from high blood pressure for at least several years, maybe upwards of five or 10 years, if you have the surgery, you no longer have to take high blood pressure medication. And, and I thought, wow, that's amazing technology. You can have surgery done and put a pig's valve in your heart and, uh, and you can live longer. You can get a mechanical heart. And I started thinking, wow, these are all amazing things. And God spoke to me and he said, now wait a minute. What about the mountains? Can they make the mountain? What about the clouds? Can they make the cloud? What about the Pacific Ocean? Can they make that Pacific Ocean? And I had to say, oh God, I'm so sorry that I am more enamored with the things that man can do and didn't even realize that we can't even come close to the mighty power of God Almighty. And when you get on top of Pikes Peak Mountain and when you get out on top of a mountain and you go skiing or when you're out on the water and you're fishing, I promise you, you'll step back and say, what a mighty God I serve. And so here the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. By the way, if you ever think about... I'm real busy and I need to get some rest and I need to go do some recreation, if you will. Recreation means to recreate. Now stay with me. Amusement. Ah means not. Muse means think. Amusement is a place where you don't think. Amusement park. Right? I'm not against amusement parks, but I think we need to spend more time recreating 
and you can't replace being out in the woods and the water like Jesus did. Take your Bible and go back to Luke chapter number 10. Not only was one seated and one was serving, look in verse number 39 and you'll notice one, now stay with me, one was dialed in and the other was distracted. In Luke chapter 10, the Bible says, verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So Mary is dialed in on Jesus. She's dialed in on what comes out of his mouth. She's so excited for the preaching of the word of God. She's so excited to hear God's word come out of God himself. She's dialed in. Now you compare that to Martha and she's distracted. Now I come from a deaf family. Everybody in my family is deaf except for me and obviously my wife and kids. But my parents are deaf. My dad on his side of the family, so his mom and dad, my grandparents, his brother, my uncle, his, his brother's wife. So my aunt by marriage, she's deaf. My younger, I'm, I'm the oldest of three, so my, my younger brother and younger sister are deaf. My younger brother has four kids and uh, one of his four kids is deaf. So there's four different generations in our family. In American Sign language is the language that we use to communicate. That's my first language. When I came into this world, ASL was my first language. English was second. And uh, ASL and in the deaf community, everything is visual. So if there was deaf people in the room today, if, if somebody just moved a little funny, they'd look over because they're so in tuned. You know, they don't have the five senses. They got four. So everything else is heightened. So their visual acuity is off the charts. If they see something, they move because they're very visual. Uh, certain signs, in, like for example, the sign for penguin is this. Penguin is like this. So that would immediately catch their attention if somebody signed penguin because they're so visual in that acuity, right? But can I tell you, so many of us are guilty of being distracted. It's so easy. Look at me at Luke chapter 10 and verse number 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered means to be distracted. Now, who's the one that distracts us? Well, there are several things that distract us, but in particular, there's somebody behind the scenes doing all the work. Turn over with me to Luke chapter number 8 and look with me at verse number 11. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells the story of the parable of the sower. He gives four different types of uh, ground. But in Luke chapter number 8 and verse number 11, Jesus says this. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. By the way, your preacher says we need 20 people no, no, we need 25 people to give out 20 tracts every single month. And uh, by doing that, you know what you're doing? You're sowing the seed of the Word of God. Listen, I think it was Paul that made this statement. You know, Paul was planted, but I have watered, but God gave the increase. Our job's not to save people, because we can't. Listen, nobody can save anybody. It's Jesus that saves them. Our job is just to tell them how they can be saved and tell them the Word of God, which is the seed, and let God do all the rest. That's why giving out a gospel track is so important. By the way, you'll know this. We'll never know the influence of a gospel track till we get to heaven. There's going to be untold millions and maybe, who knows, tens of millions in heaven because they read a track somebody put on their door. There's a man that was a part of our church in Rochester, New York. One of our men had given his wife, who was a bank teller, a gospel track. She went home. She put it on their uh, on their kitchen table and left it there. He looked at it, he read it, and he left it there. Now this is a family, they were already saved, but they were not in church. 
And so his son came by one day and said, Dad, what's this? And he said, oh, she got an invitation to a new church that just started. And uh, he said, oh, okay. So he put it there. That thing laid there for five months on their kitchen table. Five months later, they said, you know, maybe we ought to go try this church out. They came and they got so excited. They got involved in church. They got, they got, uh, they became members. They became one of our key members all because of the power of God using his word. So here we can see, he says, the seed is the word of God. Look at verse 12. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. You know how the devil is so dirty? Here's what he does. Do you remember the story I told you this morning at the end about the nurse in Stanford, Kentucky, 41 years of age, wakes up, double amputee, and she makes the statement, I thank God for my husband and I get time with my kids and time with him. And at the end of the statement, at the end of the interview, she made something to the effect of a statement that said, if only one person were to see God in all of this, then it is worth it. I have a hard time fathoming she's willing to lose all four of her limbs so that one person could get to God. I read the same article. Now stay with me. I read the same article out of the Daily Mail newspaper, which is a United Kingdom newspaper over in England. And they omitted that phrase. In fact, they omitted that whole line. You know why? God, the devil wants to pluck anything that might be a seed. Are you with me? And if we're not careful, we get distracted from the true important thing of life, and that is the word of God. Go back with me to Luke chapter number 10, and you'll notice not only was one dialed in, one was distracted, one was serving, one was seated, but then notice in Luke chapter number 10, verse number 42, one was all about the Savior while the other one was all about herself. In Luke chapter number 10, the Bible says here in verse number 42, one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. In other words, Jesus said, she did the important thing, she sat at my feet, and she listened. And then he says, but there's another one who's not all about the Savior, but she's all about herself. Look at Luke chapter 10 and verse number 40. The Bible says this, Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? So the first thing she says, Jesus, you don't care about me. Now, you know that's a lie. Am I correct? We know that's a lie. But why is it that God's people can lie to ourselves? You know why? When our eyes are not on the Savior, we can easily lie to ourselves. She says, you don't even care. Do you remember the disciples came to Jesus when, when the wind and the waves and Jesus is in the hinder part of the ship? I believe they ran up to him and said, hey, don't you care? The boat's going to sink. And Jesus got up and said, hey, oh, you have little faith, right? He said, be of good cheer. But here she says, Lord, you don't even care about me. Go a little bit further. The Bible says in verse number 40, dost thou not care that my sister hath left? In other words, she's now criticizing her sibling. You know, when, when it's not about God, it becomes all about me. And when it becomes all about me, I then find fault in everybody else. And she's criticizing her own blood-related sibling. My sister hath left. And then not only that, notice it is all about her because according to verse 40, my sister hath left me to serve alone. 
Bid her, therefore, that she help me. So guess what? For Martha, it was all about me, me, me. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been a part of a ministry or there was something to do at church and there were supposed to be three or four people that show up and three or four people signed up to do something and then you showed up and you were the only one? Has that ever happened to anybody? Is it not easy to say, where are they? I'm the only one that's got to clean this building, right? That's easy to do, right? And that's human nature. Here, she's all about herself. Me, me, me. Then, not only that, she goes so far to tell Jesus what to do. Look at the end of verse number 40. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Now, wait a minute. How in the world can dirt tell God what to do? But when you are not looking at the Savior, when you're not seated at His feet, when you're all about serving because you want to look good, when you're all about me, myself, and I, it's easy to lie to yourself. It's easy to criticize others. And it's real easy to tell God what to do. Listen, how in the world do we have the right to tell God anything what to do? We have zero right. We should be saying, God, you tell me what to do. So we can see two different reactions. Take your Bible and look with me now at Luke chapter number 10, verse 40. Oh, no, 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 not 41. Go to John. I'm sorry. John chapter 11. And I'll wrap up with this thought. You have two different approaches to the same person. They come from the same family. In John chapter number 11, this is the story of Lazarus being raised back from the dead. If you're familiar with the story, he was dead for four days. Why was he dead for four days? There was a group of Jewish people that believed that if you died, your soul did not depart from the body till after the third day. You with me? So when Jesus waited, he wanted to make sure that when he showed up, and raised Lazarus from the dead, nobody could say, well, he didn't raise Lazarus from the dead. His soul was still hovering around and he came back, so it wasn't legitimate. They could not deny the miracle because Jesus waited until the fourth day, after the fourth day, and that's when they all believed his soul was gone. Now, that's what some Jewish people believe, not what the Bible teaches. But as a result of that, so when he waited four days and he shows up, the Bible says, he being dead yet stinketh, rigor mortis had already set in it was obvious he's a dead man when Jesus raised him from the dead you could not deny the miracle of God that had just taken place so now you have Jesus showing up where Martha and Mary had already sent word please come to help my brother they didn't they did not want him to die they wanted Jesus to come and heal him so he would not die they could not even understand that Jesus could raise him from the dead that was the furthest thing from their mind when he's dead and Jesus shows up notice the reaction of the two sisters is different the bible says in John chapter 11 verse number 20 then Martha As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. In other words, when she heard Jesus was coming, she approached Jesus face to face. If you read the rest of the story, the Bible says, verse 21, Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. In other words, Lord, it's your fault. If you would have been here on time, he'd still be alive. She approaches him face to face. Now stay with me. Stay with me. Mary has a different reaction, but she says the same thing. Look with me in John chapter 11, verse 32. 
Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she, what's the next two words? Y'all see that, don't you? One has the audacity to approach him face to face. The other one says, it's my face to his feet. Because she realized it's the Lord. She had spent time at his feet. And when she falls on her feet, she says the same thing. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Obviously, he goes on. The shortest verse is Jesus wept. He raises him from the dead. But understand, the importance of spending time on my knees and on my face before the feet of Jesus Christ and before his word is what will sustain us going forward in life. By the way, the more I do that, the more God reveals to you. Turn over with me real quick and we'll wrap up. Revelation chapter number 1. Look at Revelation chapter number 1. I want you to see something about how God uses John writing this book of Revelation. And he meets Jesus, John does. He's on the island of Patmos all by himself. He's spending time with God. In Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says here in verse number 17, it says, And when I saw him, talking about Christ, Revelation 1.17, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Let me stop. He said, Look, he said, When I saw Jesus, I fell at his feet. When I fell at his feet, he touched me. You want God to touch you? Spend more time at his feet. He fell at his feet and God touched him. When God touches you because you spend more time at his feet, you'll notice he does something special for you. He says in verse 18, I am he that liveth, was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Now watch. Verse 19, write the things which thou hast seen, the things that are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Listen, if you fall at his feet, He'll touch you, and then he'll reveal to you his written word. So it behooves us, the most needful thing in my life is to be like Mary and spend it seated at his feet, listening to his word. Now, we have technology today. I thought this was a cell phone. (laughs) We had technology today where you can take your cell phone while driving down the road and play audio of your Bible. There's nothing to replace listening to the Word of God, reading the Word of God. Turn over to Revelation 13. I want to show you one last thing. Revelation chapter 13. This is something God showed me maybe a couple years back that I haven't been able to shake. pastor was talking about AI, uh, AI and uh, him being able being able to preach for another 50 years with his face and his voice on AI. But it's all coming and it's all here. It's already here. Um, but, But look with me at Revelation chapter 13. The Bible says, verse 14, And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an, what's the next word? Image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did lift. Now stay with me. In the book of Revelation, during the tribulation period, they're going to end up worshiping not the beast, but the image of the beast. Do you know what we all now have today? Smartphones. And on the smartphone, the smartphone's not the problem, but stay with me. 
on the smartphone, you can pull up your family on FaceTime. That is an image of your family. That's them on the other side, but you're not in the same room. I don't understand how the technology works and I can see their image. I can hear their voice and vice versa. And that's my wife on the other side of it. We're having a conversation as real as if we're in the same room. But it's a virtual real. It's an image, if you, if you will. Okay? Now stay with me. Because I believe, I believe the first time you see the word image and the word imagination, the root word for imagination is image. Turn over with me to Genesis chapter 6. And look with me at verse number five, and you'll recognize this story. And this is when God decides to start over with Noah. Why does he start over with Noah? Because in Genesis chapter six, one of the reasons is according to verse number five, it says this. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every, what's the next word? Imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Meta or Facebook has created a new multiverse. They've created a new world. Well, all you do is you don't live in the present physical realm. You're online, right? They want to come out with the new video or the new shield that's connected to your phone. And you can put on this mask. And you can walk in, spend money, make money. You can meet and intermingle. You can live in a virtual world. It's all based off the imagination put into the internet, right? Are you, are you still with me? He says here, they've become so wicked. The imaginations of their heart is so evil continually. When we started the church in Rochester, New York in 2013, I did some work at Rochester Institute of Technology. It's a big engineering school and I was there working and one day they had a new festival called RIT Imagine. And this Imagine Festival was, they would showcase all of their technology, all the new engineering marvels that the students were working on. They had the 3D printers. They, had, they were printing prosthetics. You name it, all that different stuff. There was one particular booth that caught my attention. They had a long booth or a long, I don't know how you describe it, a box, maybe from that end of the wall to that end, and it's about maybe two feet deep, and it was water. And they said, come walk on water. I said, what do you mean? They said, no, we figured out a way you can walk on water. I said, how so? He said, take your shoes off and walk. I said, okay. So I took my shoes off and I started walking. Literally, the water started to harden. And I started walking on water. I tell my wife all the time, I walk on water. And I'm walking. I'm just amazed. And I asked the guy, I said, so how did you come up with this technology? I mean, what did you figure out about the, the molecular structure and, and what in it? And he said, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this. I don't know the whole recipe. But he said, we figured out that if you added a product or you added a composition to it, and it was something like cornstarch and a few other things, he says, when you put pressure on it, when we've added it to the water, the pressure then hardens and you can walk on water. And I thought, man, that's amazing. But can I tell you, church, Jesus wasn't putting no corn in that, that water when he walked on it because he didn't need it because he's the God that created the water. But we have this imagination. And I'll end with this. Go right back to Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 13 again, he says in verse 14 and 15 about worshiping the image of the beast Verse 16, notice this. He causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or their foreheads. 
that no man might buy, sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Herein is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is six hundred, three score, and six. When I moved back from New York to Kentucky in 21, I had to get a new driver's license. My driver's license, the last three numbers, six, six, six. That's a great witnessing tool. Because people often say, ooh, I say, it don't bother me. Understand something. COVID was a real deal. People died. I know people in my church in New York that died of COVID. Close family. Husband and wife in their 70s, multi, uh, a millionaire, self-made millionaire, loved God with all of his heart, a former pastor. He and his wife died, I think, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day of 21. They both said to me over the phone, Pastor, if we get sick with COVID, we understand we're not going to, we're, we're just going to let it ride out. If, if God heals us, he heals us. If he doesn't, he doesn't. And they both passed away in the same bedroom a day apart. That's the way they chose to go out. Now stay with me. I am by no means saying you should or should not, you should, this, all that stuff. But the devil used a real virus to condition the world that I want to live a comfortable life and I'll give up my freedoms and you tell me what I need to do. Because when we were there in New York, they were test running that in order for you to go to the restaurant, a Yankees game, a Bills football game, Anywhere, you had to have an app on your phone that proved you were vaccinated. And if you didn't, you couldn't go anywhere. That was a test run to get the world ready for what's coming down the pipe. Can I tell you what? The world needs to be ready because of who's coming back. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that you'd help us to spend more time at your feet. And Lord, we thank you for the example of Mary in this passage. May you bless Brother Slatterly, give him strength to his voice. Bless those that sing. Thank you, Lord, for the message by Brother Lyman. And help us, Lord, to serve you in this new year. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.